Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's, or you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself from podcasts. Sorry, in the audience, I'm laughing because I've been getting some critiques that I talk too fast. Like I've been spending some time with New Yorkers and talking to New Yorkers, so I go back in New York mode. And so I will try to slow down. It's just not in me. Like I'm very much an efficient and effective person. So I'm like the faster we can communicate and the more effective I am in that and efficient in it and where we understand each other. And I'll even repeat myself twice, but I kind of move pretty quickly. Um, So that being said, I have with us today, Simply Eggless Company. Their handle is at Try Simply Eggless. And I have with us Christopher Lee and Bruce David. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, well, good. Thank you. So Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off, you know, one at a time. Let's just talk about like your stories. Um, I'm assuming Chris will go first, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, How did you become entrepreneurs? Like, why why eggless? And you know, where's your where's your future going? So let's just start at the very beginning. Sure, Bruce, if you don't mind, I'll. I'll lead the way. Go for it. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Justin, for the time. Yes, yeah, love to explain a little bit of our story and, and how I ended up in the plant-based egg industry. <laughs> uh, i tell you, uh, it's not something I planned as a child, but definitely every, every entrepreneur has his journey. So I'd like to start from, I guess, you know, entering, leaving college, I actually jumped into the world of finance. Um, my original career, if you want to call that, uh, Spent 10 years working in investment banking, uh, working with the big dealers, Deutsche Bank, J.P. Morgan, uh, within the trading divisions. And I, you know, throughout that time frame, I learned, I learned one thing: how to work, how to work really hard, and how to interact with people from all types of uh, all types of personalities on Wall Street. And where are you located? Like, where are you living when you do when you get into this finance world? Because I think location, when it comes to being in the finance world, is hugely important. Mm. Mm. Great point, Justin. I worked in the infamous Wall Street, uh, downtown financial center in uh, New York. So, born yeah, and raised in New thank York. Thank you. Thank um, you. I wanted to anchor that point because you're. <laughs> we're talking about sharks and shark-infested waters, right? So exactly. Cool. <laughs> exactly. So amongst the sharks, I kind of grew and grew my personality, my skill set. But you know, in a short in a short realm, in that short time frame, I did learn. Uh, throughout those 10 years that I didn't want to spend uh, an additional 10 years of my life in that field. And I felt it was time to uh, kind of explore what else is out there. So I always had an entrepreneur mindset uh, growing up, always trying to learn how things operate, how they work, Uh, you know, basically how other people living in the hustle and bustle across New York. It's only natural for me to explore and question. Throughout that time frame, I met some great individuals, uh, one of which is our fellow co-founder and uh, at the bank during, uh, you know, during our, our, our side conversations, who actually introduced me to our co-founder and uh, a recipe developer of Simply Equus. And along the way, you know, essentially I started off as a, an investor, uh, kind of understanding that this person had a, a plan and vision to go into food. So I started off as an investor and, uh, of course, the vision doesn't always play out as you anticipate. And a couple years later, like I said, I, I took a leap of faith. I left my full-time job in finance uh, knowing that I was at the brink and I really wanted to just try something different. I reached back out to the uh, the co-founders who I invested in and, and asked, you know, how can I help? What can we do? Where Where is the status of the food product and how can we kind of work together? So... It was great timing. Um, this product was not simply a good. It was a previous product. But let's just say that was our starting point. Yeah, so let me pause you right there, actually, Christopher, because I, th- I want to anchor this with education, with, with evidence, not just from you, okay? <clears throat> yep. And, you know, it, it isn't the same story, but Tony, I cannot say his name, Hasai, or H-S-I-E-H, just for anyone out there, he was, he didn't, 
find he didn't discover create Zappos, but he came in as an investor and he had been in other spaces before, not directly in finance, but he had money to invest from a previous business and was in the finance space after being an entrepreneur of financing other businesses investing. And he, you know, he basically did what you did, which is I'm an investor and I'm investing this thing. Oh my gosh, they need help. I want to get more involved in this. I think I can do more. And so I just want to anchor this point. And we all know that Zappos eventually sold to Amazon for, I don't even know how many um, millions, hundreds of millions, I think 800 or maybe even billions. I just know that Tony made tons of money and it's unfortunate he died in a house fire a few years ago, uh, right before COVID. Mm. But either way, the, the point is, is that entrepreneurism is also in coming in and being open-minded in the way that it is. Entrepreneurism doesn't mean you always have to discover the business. And so yes. there's um, entrepreneurs that enter, that become entrepreneurs and owners of a business. There's a lot of different ways that these things take place. So anyway, uh, go ahead, Christopher. Oh, thank you, Justin. That's, that's a great perspective. And yes, I, I saw opportunity. You know, I, I saw opportunity to try something different, try something a little more impactful. So I took a leap of faith. I, I totally left uh, what, what, what most would consider a comfortable job uh, from the outside. But, you know, in my mind, I knew that I was I was dying slowly and it wasn't going to change unless I changed my environment. Well, explain that a little bit more. I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but explain the dying nope. inside a little bit because I think it's important <laughs> to know, like, that thing that happens and – like when you're not an entrepreneur like me, where you you you're running away from that dying feeling from the day you were born. Like it just like I couldn't go into the corporate was very hard. But for you, it's like it came later, and so I think you probably have a different perspective and a better way to describe it than I would. Yeah, totally. Um, and yes, it was it was a tough time in my life. Uh, had essentially switched roles, uh, thinking that this new role was going to be the better you know, the better fit for me and that, you know, I was going to climb the corporate ladder just like most people. But I really started to look around me and most of the people, at least I was surrounded with, were not in a good mental health. They weren't in great spirits uh, in the financial world. So I kept asking myself, you know, outside, outside of the money, what am I what am I really chasing to be like these people here? Because if they're an example of what I'm trying to be like, I don't want to be there, to be honest. Uh, it took its toll on me. I did not, I felt like I was going backwards in the corporate ladder, um, in an age where most people were, were, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, I was going backwards. And I just took a deep breath and my creativity side had, had gone out the window. Um, I was anxious before work. I would wake up, you know, just anticipating what could go possibly wrong at work. And once I reached that stage, I knew that my mind had to be occupied with something else or, or else I, I'd just be stuck. I've 100% been there, even yeah. in my own business, even one that I've created. It's like, what what is going on here? I don't know what to do mm -hmm. with this feeling. Exactly. Um, exactly. Tony, can I pause? A, I mean, um, Tony, Christopher, sorry. I was thinking, Tony, yeah. Christopher, can I pause <laughs> you for one second? Can we go back? Your family is in New York, correct? You grew up in New York. What's your family background? Oh, thank you. My family is uh, Chinese. Chinese descent. So, oh yeah, that's a, that brings a great point. Um, so within my household, it is those that don't know traditional uh, Chinese households, you know, with all due respect, we're, we're very um, conservative in the sense of some of the career goals that were placed in front of me, be a lawyer, be a doctor, uh, you know, get good grades. Um, and I love my parents to death, but, you know, it's just, it's a different environment from where they grew up versus where I grew up and, and, and where I worked. And then from there, it was a very tough choice. I had to, uh, I had to make the choice for myself, myself only. And hopefully uh, my parents would understand and eventually they did. But it was a very, that was a very hard dynamic to overcome to really tell my parents, hey, I'm leaving the job I've been working, the role I've been working in, in 10 years and I'm going to not work and explore some options here. And that was one of the most difficult things to do. But uh, like I said, you really have to, uh, as an entrepreneur, you have to kind of create your own way and, and see the vision yourself. And sometimes you may not get the initial support from your family, but that should be expected. And that should not stop any types of, uh, any, that should not stop you from starting. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to see it through. 
And I agree with you. And one of the things about having the American dream and like families coming into this country and uh, they want security, right? The part of like, oh, we we want our children to have more security and financial um, wherewithal than we had. But part of the American dream is making our own freedom. And that's part of why our families came here in the first place was to seek that freedom and create their own life. It's just where we picked up on that or the generations after picked up on that when it was properly instilled. And so it's interesting because we heard our parents, but we really heard you guys just way more than just going to work as a lawyer or a doctor. And that's what I, I think this is, is we really heard you. We heard you how hard you worked for freedom. We heard you how hard you worked. We don't want anyone else to have that leverage over us for that freedom. We're going to go create our own freedom. Okay. And that's part of what this compounding thing is. And that's why I want to anchor this to your background. And you're 100% right. It's because they're like, okay, we finally made it. Now there's ease in life. But ease does not continue the family legacy to greatness. Uncomfortability and chasing, quote unquote, an American dream or the entrepreneurial spirit, which is you go build a dream big enough that everyone else's dream that works for you and their family and their kids and their legacy fits into your dream, then that's the American dream. That's what it is, is we come here, we compound it, and we go create greatness, not just by working for someone else. We actually go create opportunities so other families can come to America and have jobs and opportunities and give the kid, their kids the same chance we had as however many generations later as Americans, because we do have right. that compounding effect. So sorry about that, okay. Christopher. I went on a little tangent commentary there, but I thought it was important to just anchor that because I think no. it's... It's really important for our parents to hear that they did a really good job. It's just we exploded out of it well beyond they could ever imagine. <laughs> exactly. You you placed, you 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 said it much better than I could say myself. And from there, um, great point. I definitely want to just reiterate, yeah, it was a hard struggle. But, you know, you live with the consequences. And I took that leap of faith. I dove in head first into the food space, not having any background in food. I had a passion for food. Growing up, I always loved food. I always loved trying out some things, but I had no idea I'd be uh, jumping into a specifically plant-based food. And uh, you know, the next uh, three to four years, I just like to say we we tried different products. Uh, it wasn't simply as to start. We had uh, some other lines that weren't really trending, but I got my feet wet. I kind of learned how the business works. Learned about the hustle. Uh, learned about the pure grit it takes to get a brand. Um, from the ground up into a store. And it just so happened, uh, just kind of coming on to, to answer the question, how did we jump into plant-based eggs? Where do we see opportunity? Uh, I remember it well, Justin, I was writing up, uh, it was the summer of 2019. If I, ever, if I could remind you, this is the summer of Beyond Meat. This is the summer of Impossible Burgers. They were taking over the, the fast food chains across the- yep. uh, Yeah, parties and, and, and Burger King. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, it was that whole summertime, and I was riding up with my partner. Well, and uh, and Disney, by the way, across the world, they went into those places too. But sorry, go ahead. Exactly, I was riding up with my partner, and um, you know, he was the recipe developer, um, and he, he developed the passion to create all these tremendous products we had under us. And you know, we we knew we knew we weren't on trend with so much with the other products. And you know, he looked at me, he's like, Chris, like I've been looking at the market, and we had an opportunity to go into plant-based meat, but we both agreed. Like if we were to do anything there, it would have been saturated. There'd be tons of competition and we'd be competing with a whole other slew of companies. Um, so he kind of, he brought my attention to the plant-based egg sector. He said, he's been doing a lot of research. Um, he understands there's only one other competitor on the space. And to this day, there's still only one other competitor in the space by the name of Just Egg. Um, but he mentioned the product and he, he, he mentioned that he might have the ability to create something that's better. So I literally looked over while I'm driving. We're driving up to a, a, a meeting with, um, for, for another buyer, uh, for a retailer. And it turned over. I was like, if you can make a plant-based egg that, that performs better, that you can bake with, I was like, I'm going to, I will put all my resources behind this to, to see this, to, you know, see this, see this through. Cause yeah, if it's the really blue ocean strategy. 
Yeah, and with really only one with, com- with only one competitor, you can build an industry yeah. together, like your competitors. Exactly. But you also can build an industry. Go ahead. Yes. Sorry, I, I, Bruce is going to dive into this, but it's like the concept of if there's a Coca Cola out there, you're going to need a Pepsi, and we were going to mm-hmm. be that second to market, and we were, and you know, I saw the opportunity at that point, and so six months go by, and iteration after iteration, uh, you know, sourcing ingredients from around the world, literally. Uh, my partner, I give him tons of credit. Uh, he went through thousands and thousands of recipes and tries to make to get us a prototype. And fast forward into uh, fast forward into the March of 2020, we were literally about to debut simply eggless at the Expo West, which was the largest trade show even to date. Uh, um, it's interesting that yeah, you so, say that I was going to, I was in the same place and I was going to do at the Expo West, a plant-based seafood program. Cause I saw potential in that as well. At that time, I'm mm-hmm. not in that business anymore, but at that time I was, and, um, it's interesting that you say that because I know exactly what you're going to say. And I've never talked about this on the podcast or even the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. So go on. Yeah. Please. Uh, yeah, these are these, these are totally things you can't make up. And uh, March of 2020, we're like two days away from jumping on the plane to jump, jumping into uh, California to debut our products, make a big splash, and then we get the call like this is right around the time frame. COVID has taken over. We are canceling this Expo West event, and we're very sorry. This is unprecedented, but we are we're gonna we cannot go on. So we had to produce products. We had to cancel the show. We did not board the plane. We took we took a, a big loss, uh, inventory wise and and strategy wise. Uh, that was going to be a big splash, and you know, hopefully get some press. But long story short, it was it was just a setback. But along with the rest of the world falling apart, we had to learn how to re-strategize and get our product in front of buyers who are no longer who are now under COVID conditions and working from home. So that. Took an additional six months, Justin, to uh, to grind and get 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 our product in front of the right people. And fast forward into October of 2020, we launched Simply Eggless plant-based liquid vegan egg, and onto Wegmans, our first retailer, our launching partner. We thank them very much. And since then, it's it's been it's been it's been a whirlwind. And around that time, uh, Justin is right when I started to. To, you know, let everybody else in the world know what I've been up to. And I posted my first social media post on Instagram talking about Simply Eggless. Posting, posting it, I remember literally in the middle of the night, I posted it. And uh, my good friend, my friend from childhood, I would like to say, the start and now business partner, uh, my friend Bruce here, uh, he was the first person and probably the only person who reached back out and and said, Chris, what are you up to? And so I think this is a good, int- this is a great interlude from here to introduce Bruce and let him know. He's how, like, uh, what's how the shark of Wall Street doing eating vegetarian <laughs> yes. food? That's what he's thinking. Exactly. He's like, what is this guy doing? He snacked on meat down there. What is he doing in this business? <laughs> Yep. So Bruce, please take it away. Hey, hey, Bruce, before you get started, I want to just back and ask some questions if that's okay with you guys. And just so we can fill in some gaps or just some personal gaps. Yeah. Like you mentioned your family, Chris, like what are the values that you got at from your family, from your parents that you like core values? Because I think family values translated into entrepreneurial values or business values or morals and ethics we often are like oh don't bring family into business well that's true unless you're in the food business okay or friends because the food business is a tangible item and you go to war and you become brothers and sisters at war like it's just there's a difference there and it can become hard and there can become entitlement but i want to attach the family values because you have them obviously you have very strong core values so will you talk about that a little bit yeah, sure, sure. Um, on my end, my father actually worked in, in food and beverage. He was a um, hospitality, if you want to say. He was overnight uh, food service um, for the Plaza Hotel. So 25-plus years, uh, he taught me the values of working hard. Uh, he worked overnight shifts, so 
you know, growing up watching my father asleep while I was awake and, you know, he's going to work when I'm sleeping. It, it, it just showed me that he, he sac- takes sacrifice and, and, and focused work to support a family. And, uh, I know I thank him so much for, for his work and instilling those values in me. You know, all he wanted me to do was do well in school so I could, you know, essentially build something for myself. And that stuck with me. He was he didn't have super high expectations. He didn't tell me to become a doctor per se. He just led by example and busted his butt to support my family. And um, I just saw a day. He, he always valued food, though. Um, you know, his main thing that he enjoyed when he did have time off was uh, sharing dinner and, and amongst the family and just more or less bringing the family together. So I took those core values. Um, I, I just, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to get my family out from our situation, which was move out of public housing. And, and, and those are still my aspirations. Uh, they're, they're no longer there. But during that time frame, I kept saying I need to work hard to change that situation because uh, I know my father can't do it himself. And uh, I just... You know, again, I, I just watched him day over day do it, and I knew it was going to take that that similar grit and determination to whatever I put my mind towards to see it through. And um, mm-hmm. he's coming from my father came from Hong Kong, uh, immigrants, and uh, and in the mid 20s, and he found a way to make a career here in the U.S. And I knew from his his point of view that that was his dream, and I wanted to see it through on my end and really just. Uh, take those values and pay forward and say whatever it is I'm doing. So I hope that answers Mm. the question. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just say something as well. I agree with you. And one of the things that I think I talk about on the podcast, but I like my mom was, uh, we, I grew up on a horse farm and that's what she did for a living. And my dad was into food and, but on the accounting side, the finance side and, and very driven and worked very hard. But he also worked like a second job, which was helping my mom on the farm or building stuff or fixing gates or whatever needed to be done on the farm on weekends or nights. Plus I played soccer and I was like you, I would, I, like I wasn't he didn't tell me I had to be a doctor or a lawyer but there was definitely the drive that I had to take advantage of the opportunity that not many people were given in the world and he made sure that I saw that where all the people were in the world by the nature of his business and putting food on airplanes all over the world he exposed to me I think unintentionally to how bad things could be if you don't take care of yourself or you don't have good family legacy or you don't actually compound it in a free country or with free markets or entrepreneurism and it made me always want to have that drive to to make sure that I could be self-reliant in my own person so I like that part of your story I think every all the skills you got were were hugely important and that's why I wanted to touch upon it because you can tell it's been pounded in there there's a legacy there's the American dream there's I can't get I can only get so far based on what I have but you son or you daughter or can get farther than I can because I'm building a foundation and it sucks and I'm working really, really hard, but all I can do is work really hard. And that compounding effect into us where we're now getting the education, we're now getting the skill set, we're getting the entrepreneurial mindset by seeing our parents and the way they interact in American culture, because it is like we interact that way, we hustle. And so it's um, compounded into next generations, especially if we're willing to take the leap like you did eventually. So I will turn it over to Bruce. So your childhood friend, Bruce, is like, hey, dude, what the hell are you doing snacking on vegetables? You're a shark. So I think that's where we left off. (laughs) Well, I would say I was was pretty excited when I first saw uh, the post from Chris. Um, to give some background on, on like my story myself, I um, I can say the ten years prior to was it twenty twenty when I first when Chris post, first posted, yeah I'll say from 2010, 2011, um, I I was already you know as far as entrepreneurial and business um, sales that's mainly what I focus with now and simply with a lot of the sales. Um, I started early on and one of my friends had like an entertainment company where they, you know, they're into music and I was distributing music for mixtape DJs and 
different DVDs and things like that of, of that sort. So I already had that there in the midst of doing like odd jobs. And I, I drove a yellow cab in the city for, for some years um, in the midst of all of that. But within that 10 year time span, I also had, were dealing with like um, medical issues. I went and got blood work done and they said they found precancerous cells in my, in my, uh, in my blood work. So it took me into like a whole snowball effect of, looking for i don't want to just find a quick remedy i'm going to find something that's going to permanently fix these conditions and you know get this cancer out of my body get myself healthy so from 2000 i'll say 11 12 i started like on a plant-based journey myself started changing my diet implementing things removing things out of my diet and for that whole 10-year span it was like a struggle for me to find a balance of eating healthy and stuff like that and I would go out with friends and they're like, would you, would you, you know, they're, they're eating wings and I'm like, what are you going to eat broccoli and cauliflower and stuff like that? And so I, I really dealt firsthand with like the struggles of having food alternative options out there. So when we got, you know, fast forward to when Chris posted on uh, Instagram, the omelet, he was making an omelet. I saw it in my first year. I was like excited, you know, um, one you know, like Chris stated, you know, with childhood friends, and uh, we've known each other probably, I don't know, four or five years old. So uh, explain that a little bit. I mean, we didn't touch that. Let's, before we get into like your entrepreneurs and business partners or the reach out, like what's, how do you know each other? What do you do as kids? Like, what does that relationship look like that, that, that you're springboarding off of? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, we, so Chris and I, we grew up in a, Pominot Houses, Pominot Project in Flushing, Queens, uh, right across the street from Queens College off of Casino Boulevard. Um, I lived in 6518. He lived in 6516. And I saw buildings were technically attached, but the entrances were on, you know, on the other side of each other. And as kids, you know, we would be in each other's court, riding our bikes. Um, we went to elementary school with each other, so it was a lot of basketball play in the morning uh, or, or baseball so we were just like real nineties kids out running around the, the, the development, just having fun like summers and keeping it. Uh, we weren't, as far as I could think, like Chris and I, our relationship, we we're never like mischievous kids. It was really like sports hanging out. Uh, we were just talking to another friend about like stoop when you throw the, uh, the handball off, the, you know, the stoop in front of the building and things like that. <laughs> I so love it was that. Very, yeah, it, it was a very, uh, a pretty innocent childhood, as, you know, 90s kids. And we just, like, looked out for each other. And, you know, Chris has me, he's a year older than me. But my first cousin, they, they probably had a lot of classes with each other throughout uh, elementary school and a lot of mutual friends, neighbors. So it was like a real community of uh, people that probably about 20 or 30 of us kids within, like, the development. We all knew each other. And summertime, like I said, we would go bike riding and things like that. And as we got older and grew, you know, um, I would uh, to go back to Chris, you know, from my perspective, I remember seeing Chris's dad coming in late, you know, from work every night and working and, and you see his mom and, and, you know, his family coming to and fro doing their thing, living life. And same thing with my family. Um, I was raised pretty much by a single mom with my two sisters. Um, so my mother's untimely uh, passing when I was 13. So, Luckily enough, my older sister, she was of legal age to kind of be a guardian for me and my youngest sister, which was tough because thinking about it now, she was 18, 19 years old. So she was a baby herself, really. But uh, Well, and she's taking care of two kids that while you're her their brother and sister and she's going to take care of you guys as family per se, it's, mm-hmm. she didn't bury you guys, right? It wasn't like her decision to have you. It's just like, oh no, mo- like mom's passed away. So that's a huge amount of pressure and not to mention you're all trying to mourn, right? And and move on with your right. lives. Right, and just have to find some normalcy, you know. <laughs> yeah, find a new forward. routine, the new normal, mm-hmm. right? Go and on. So that was, that was a tough to, to like adjust to that. But luckily, like have, it was a pretty strong community and family around, so. And my sister, she's very strong at it. Kudos to her to this day. I don't know how she does it. Um, But I would see Chris, you know, throughout the years as we got older. I'm working my job. You know, he's going back and forth, doing from back and forth from work or is in school. 
so thank God for social media. You know, we had each other like on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, the funny thing, Chris, he didn't post too often. After the last I saw, he was like traveling the world. And I knew he was in the finance world and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, good to see Chris. Is, he's doing great for himself. And if we run into each other, hey, how's everything? Blah, blah, blah. But as we got older into, you know, our 20s and stuff, both of us, you know, kind of moved out, went our own separate ways. But it was always that respect level and just that memory, like you're one of my friends from the sandbox you know uh, we had nothing to do as little kids we were you know all out there together and we knew we were all like and basically in the same kind of struggle but it it didn't feel like we were struggling as kids because i think we you know all just came from a great background as a family like you're speaking on core values and and things like that so but as you get older you, you know you see the layout and when uh fast forward when i saw the you know the posts on instagram like I said, I was like excited because I knew it was like kind of like an answer for me. I'm like, this is a vegan egg. Like I've, this will solve so many problems. Like in my head, I'm like, I have to try this. Like, this is super like, what the hell <laughs> right away? Like I need to get in Chris's inbox and, you know, see, what, what are you doing? What is this here? You know, what, what are you making? And, um, can I back yeah, up I for a second? Uh, one one second. Sure. Sorry, Bruce. The thing that I want to talk about is when you're kids, okay, mm-hmm. there's not a monetary transaction that's taking place. It's not about money. It's about like you're in the same boat. You're trying to figure out how to get by. Like you can only do so much homework and reading and sports are an outlet, particularly when life is tough and and so can school, and there's a lot of other outlets that you could have chosen. But the the thing that I want to talk about is your relationship was based off of trust on friendship first. And it took a long time to build before you became business partners or even in business together. And we often rush so much into relationships or into business partnerships that we don't take the time to build trust with the individuals. And I'll go back to what Christopher said also, which is it took him time before he actually jumped all the way into this company, right? And the investment, like trust has to be built non-monetarily, okay? Because money is the trophy, okay? Money's the trophy for winning the championship. That means consistently winning over time because if you think the little bits of money are winning, it's not because it comes and goes as fast as it does. Like winning a championship, which takes a long time, and then winning multiple championships, which takes longer time, is where the money is. And if you're focused on it, then you're not winning it. Unfortunately, I don't know how to explain it to everyone. But your relationship is built off of trust first. And so talk about that a little bit. Like, Like, was there a lot of trust there? Like when... Bruce reached back out to you, Chris, where you like, was there like, oh my gosh, we're like, we're boys. This is someone I trust. Like, let's meet up and communicate. Like, how did this first conversation take place? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thanks, Justin, for putting that perspective. Um, like I did mention earlier, I, I, I posted that on Instagram. And, you know, when you first post a long time, uh, first time in a long time, I'm expecting maybe a, a flood of responses. I mean, I got a good reaction, but the only person who really reached out and had a constructive question for me was Bruce. Uh, and I reiterate that. I know. I'm like, where have all the leaders gone and where are all their brains? Because we need to find them. <laughs> Go on. I, I don't know. So like me growing up with Bruce in Tom, from the Palmer Projects, you know, we knew how to hustle. I recognized Bruce's hustle. In the sense, not we know how to work things and turn it to money. Like that's just how we were growing up, our mentality. And throughout the years in our twenties, Bruce is also an artist, which I'm sure he'll dive into. I supported him on his on his uh, on his artistry and music. I, I respect the hell out of what he's doing with music. He's a great artist. I supported him throughout those years. Uh, you know, just saying, go on, you know, represent for us. And so there was that mutual trust that he mentioned that 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 was building. There were some business opportunities I did in my later twenties, and Bruce was interested and wanted to hear about it. So, so when Bruce actually reacted and said, "Hey, Chris, what are you up to? Let's jump on a call," like I felt great um, because, like you mentioned, there's there's, there's a trust factor. There's, there's not too many people I can say I grew up with that I still keep in touch with on a day to day basis or on a weekly basis even. And Bruce is now one of them. 
uh, due to this business and what we were growing here. Um, but out of all, I, I remember talking to my partners. I was like, out of all the people I could trust from my old neighborhood, and Bruce is one of them. And I, I took that, and that was my foundation for continuing the conversation and, uh, you know, allowing this opportunity to, to flourish to where it is today. Yeah, and I'm going to let Bruce comment on this too, and we have, we're, we've have we already mm. scheduled a part two, but one of the things I'm going to anchor this to, guys, for Christopher, um, just for him personally, and then for anyone else listening in or, or just people in general. So what happens is we get a set of core values as kids. Those are what anchor us. And sometimes they're opposite of what our parents' core value is. Okay, like they're like, oh, God, that's bad. I don't want that to be my life. I'm going to anchor a different core value. Okay, so there's those things. Then we go out in the world and we try to chase things and we live up to an image that may be our parents' image. Okay, and we chase that thing. But the problem is, is our core values don't totally align to what's going on in our life. And so what ends up happening is we weirdly circle back to anchor ourselves to our family core values. However, it's not exactly the core values that were passed down by our parents because, like I said, you can have an inverse effect. And that's mm. important to notice. Like, And it's also important to notice once you get to this point that if you have a bad one from your parents, it's, it's important to turn it into an inverse one right away, meaning the opposite core value. Okay, mm. like if there's alcoholism and you're an alcoholic, you need to inverse that and get yourself into AA and become a better business person. And I hate to be straightforward, but that's the truth. Okay, so you need other people who are going to surround you, who are going to help pick you up and do things. And I don't, and I'm not picking on AA. I'm just, just saying that that's a good tool. And what they do is they surround themselves by other people that they're in their situation. Entrepreneurs, you should do your the same thing. Surround yourselves by other entrepreneurs that are in your situation. You need people that are going to lead you through it and that you can lean on and that you have mentors or I don't know what they call it in AA actually. Um, but whatever those are, the person that leads you through the program and, um, I don't remember what it's sponsor, called. Sponsor, sponsor. Thank you. Right? Yeah, yeah, sponsor. Thank you. It's a perfect word, actually. And um, and so, like, this is part of what we're talking about here. So you're going back, but there's these shared core values that you guys have, being in the neighborhood, being from your background, and then you're also bringing in different core values. Like, there's this weird thing that happens with God or whoever. That's like, oh, Bruce is plant based you know, lifestyle now. And, <laughs> and okay, here's my best childhood friend who's been the shark on Wall Street who's pretty financially, you know, strong and consistent and persistent in life, looking for a new path in life and purpose where he actually is filled on the inside, not just material things on the outside. And mm -hmm. you guys come together at this point, which is like a juxtaposition almost of where you were previously. Like it's a total opposite, like change in direction. And so even though your life leading up to this point had prepared it for you. So I guess, Bruce, I'll go back to the core values and let you answer that and like circling back and, and you guys as friends, because I think that's important. Uh, that friendship is a core value. And I also think that, you know, how what happens now when you guys are like, okay, let's meet. Right. So, you know, um, I would say one thing I, I one word I think of a lot of when core values and uh, just early on just growing up in the neighborhood is just like the re a respect. It was like a real respect there uh, amongst all the the our friends, childhood friends, and you know it, it, I remember little things like you know let's say for example if I'm hanging out with Chris and then like somebody else comes along as kids and they want to hang out and then you know you learn like don't flat leave your friends to like go hang out with somebody else or you know or uh, if you know uh my bike gets a flat tire you know it's like everybody's on a mission to figure out how we're gonna you know get his bike fixed things like that so like those little things early on i think like set the tone and like i said as we've grown older it was like that respect level every time we saw each other where i knew chris his family were good people and he he was a straight shooter. It was nothing. It was never, never anything uh, schemey about him growing up. He wasn't a kid like, oh, let me stay away from him. And I, I feel like the same, you know, I could say it's the same for myself. And it's funny when we reconnected, you know, we spoke on, you know, 
ask him about the business, what he's doing, the product, you know, sit big, how's this working and let him know, like, listen, I have, you know, some history in sales and getting accounts within the entertainment world and stuff like that. I, I believe this is a product, you know, I could help. How can I be of service to you guys? Um, this is something very interesting and exciting to me. And at that point in time in my life, I was kind of just, uh, I had invested a lot of my time and energy into music and, I was just kind of washed out with work and stuff like that. So my creative spirit was like kind of dwindling away, I felt, uh, at the time. And when we reconnected, we definitely took that time out to not only speak on business, but just like reconnect as childhood friends. I remember one afternoon we were down in Long Island City and Chris really expressed to me, I, you know, he always, like he stated, always supported me with my music, anything I would put out, you know, I would get a like or a comment or something from him just show support. But he really stressed to me when we, when we reconnected, like, you know, bro, like, I'm really proud of you. Like, you're really one of my friends that actually put out like albums. Like you have albums, like, wow, you really did this. So it was kind of cool to get his perspective because I saw there was a respect level there. Um, well, just to see, like, you went through that entire process. Well, you know, Chris sees really something which is you decided to do something, and not only did you do it, but you completed it. You did what you say mm -hmm. you were going to do. And not only did you do it, you completed it multiple times, right? And mm -hmm. so there's a big thing in, in that. Um, can I ask a question? Do both of you live in Queens? Yep. Yes, sir. So yep. you're from Flushing, Queens. You grew up there. Both of you still live there. Are you living in Long Island City? I like. I spent a lot of like five years in Astoria, Queens. So I'm familiar with Long Island. Are you guys in that area? Just out of curiosity. I've, I have actually moved from Long, Long Island City. I, I'm back in Flushing right now, downtown cool. Flushing. But I'm I'm very familiar with Astoria. Cool. And uh, yep. How about you, Bruce? Yeah, I'm 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 in uh, St. Albans, like Jamaica area of yeah, Queens, cool. uh, not far from JFK. Yeah, and um, but like I said, I I've, I've drove a taxi for almost ten, eleven years uh, in New York, so I know every single neighborhood pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. And you want to know something that no one knows, and I'm going to say this just off the beaten path. Since you're um, a taxi driver, my um, ex father-in-law he had, drove a taxi as well and got into Uber in New York City. Um, that's why we spent a lot of time there. My ex-wife um, is from Astoria, Queens. Well, first she's from Bangladesh and her family, but they moved here when she was four. And um, is how the, the taxi cabs help the police officers. They're on the same like little like radios. And like if someone's trying to run away, the taxi cabs will help pin people and help direct traffic so that car doesn't get away. Like it's some crazy stuff that goes on. Is I mean... At least those are the stories I've heard. Like you, like it's just a very unified front in New York City. The police, the taxi cab drivers, the fire department. Is that true? Just from your experience? Yeah, I would. I would say that. Like, um, I remember with uh, your last podcast with Jesse, what he he kind of defined it as. But uh, uh, was it organized chaos? I, I think he might have stated. Um, but I, I would yeah, say something like that. There's a lot of chaos going on all throughout the city, but then where it counts, everybody pulls together and, and makes things happen. And it, another thing is the, uh, the respect level there. You know, when you're out in the city, I'm trying to get someone home. You know, if there's a fire truck, you know, they're trying to answer the call. Even the garbage guys, they're trying to clean up the streets for everybody. So there's a bunch of a, a respect level in the midst of all the chaos and the crazy stuff going on it's like all right when it's time to step in and uh be a upstanding citizen uh you gotta you gotta play your role you know no matter what that role is uh do your job but the taxi yeah the taxi world is is in some ways i can look at it and say it's completely disorganized in a lot of ways it's very very organized and unified and it has a, a long history here you know I in know. New York. Oh. And like my my best friend, uh, well, one of my two best friends from high school, his father and I went to high school in Maryland, but his father, it was in New York and he lives in New York now. He was Robert Romer Debos, a law firm. His name's Pierre Debos. I'll give him a plug on here since this is a New York podcast. I'm pretty sure they're the biggest real estate law firm in New York City. Again, surround myself by winners. It's important. And... Mm -hmm. um. And like one of the things that his father did like to make sure that they were well off is in the 60s and 70s 
or like 70s, he bought up a lot of taxi cab medallions and leased them out and, and sold them off because there is a, bil- a, a huge business there. The taxi cab medallions, I think they even go for like $1.5 million or used to. I don't know if they still do. Yeah, at one point, yeah. And it was a waiting list. For, you, you, you could be waiting for up to a year um, to make the finalized purchase. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot, but yeah. But I mean, I mean, there was a time where I mean they were like valuable and they went up in price, and it was like holding on to a piece of real estate, really, literally. And mm-hmm. it's so cool. And I just want to say that because there's we don't realize how many layers of business there are in op- and entrepreneurial opportunities there are in the world, not just in food, but there's so many layers. So anyway, I, I, we got off topic a little bit, but uh, go ahead, uh, Bruce. Go so. You guys are on the same page. You're catching up about childhood. You've got this experience coming into it. And how does the conversation, how do you sort of actually make your way into the company? Well, like I said, first things first was like, I really asked like, how, where do you guys need help? How can I be of service? You know, at that time I was working for like a food management company um, out in Harlem, East Harlem. And I was, like, delivering food. They have contracts with, like, schools, uh, hospitals, things of that nature. And it was also COVID, so I was doing a lot of deliveries within the shelter. But the first thing that, like, popped into my head, I'm like, this could be a great alternative for the kids to have here with this food management program. You know, I think the parents would definitely, like, sign the kids up for, you know, a healthy alternative, something plant-based. So, like, and then we were also, where I was working, um, we were neighbors to a Magnolia Bakery. Um so I was like, kind of just like throwing that out there, our first conversation. I'm like, you know, I, I can definitely speak to the, you know, my manager at the job and I could reach out to the people at Magnolia Bakery and see about, you know, getting uh, accounts for you guys, at least start there. You know, I, uh, continue to work that job. Why for, the, for why the itch? I just curious, like you're like a dog on the bone right now. Like you're just like, all of a sudden I want to do this. I want to give service. Like I'm just, I know you guys have a relationship, but why this creative. particular product? Why this particular well, opportunity? I, I knew right away. I said like right away when he poured it into the skillet and I'm like, this is a huge disruptive product for the market. Like this is going to change the game completely. Um, for the egg and dairy industry. Like I knew that right. I've for that 10 years of like, you know, doing my own shopping, going out, eating in public and things like that. I'm like, I understood like, okay, we have burgers. We have, you know, like the beyond impossible that we spoke on, but that's like scratching the surface. You know, I felt, and, and also I loved eggs growing up as a kid. So now I'm like, okay, this is a plant-based egg. And like I said, it was just the, the wear and tear of the daily redundant same routine with, with the job, which was, I, you know, I was thankful for the job I was at at the time, but like I said, my creative uh, side was kind of dwindling. And at that, that year in particular, which was like a first for me, I was like, I really don't want to do music anymore. And I'm like, I know that I can do something else great out here. What else do I want to do? And I've had like thoughts in my head, you know, Oh, I'm going to, throughout the years i'm gonna I'm release bruce's juices i'm gonna make a plant-based uh and fresh juices for people i'm gonna put that in the supermarket so i had like all these different ideas going around in my mind over the years and when i saw that it just like everything just kind of clicked and it was like i need to like find more information on this and once he told me where they were at and sales is something that also like excites me to like go in and to you know to just give a little bit more background with like my early sales like i said i was entertainment um i was you know selling and distributing mixtapes for like a lot of mixtape djs and then there was like the dvd era where they had a lot of like uh, music videos uncut video things like that so in that market people will go to specific stores and stuff like that for me i you know i said i'm gonna break into this market i was going up eighth avenue uh and hopefully not to be too graphic, but to like all the like the it used to be a bunch of uh, the sex shops, the porn shops on Eighth Avenue, where they you know they have all the X-rated movies. I'm like these are pretty X-rated music videos and stuff like that. I would go in there, and those guys are a tough sell. Like so, they really conditioned me early. I remember one one of the the Pakistani owners. He said he said you're gonna be a millionaire one day. And I'm like yeah. He's like yeah. You don't take no for an answer. 
and I would go there like every week until they started. <laughs> and coming from, no, this is not to insult anyone, but the Pakistanis <laughs> and like the the Bengalis and the Indian culture are the best negotiators in the world, by the way. So for him to say that to you is a huge compliment. I will just say that. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, I'm like, wow, we finally, you know, turned a new leaf because it was like, I was going to be like, no, no, leave, no. And it was like, I just kept being persistent. And then it went from that to I had great relationships with so many of the owners. You know, I really uh, found my own niche within that market. So I love that. You know, I, I love that uh, that journey going through that. And I saw, I'm like, this is something I can do. So I knew, I'm like, once you could sell, you could sell anything. It's just like, where's your passion? Do you, how much knowledge do you have on the, on the product and market? So me being in the plant-based world 10 years for my own personal reason, and then fast forward, Chris is selling a plant-based product that's not just the everyday, you know, uh, burger or sausage. I'm like, this is an egg. I'm like, there's so much room to explore and, and to help push this and get this out here to the market. And that was like my initial conversation was like, how can I help? And, you know, this is what I think. I can reach out to these people. And it got to a point where I was, I was, in the middle of work, I'm supposed to be doing deliveries and I'm pulling over doing cold calls or sending emails over. I'm like, I'm risking tickets and stuff like that to try to get a sale um, from San Diego. So it came to a point where I'm like, I I need to do this full on. And, and, and I had the confidence with Chris and the rest of the team. They kind of uh, set me up and came with open arms, you know, and um, in those next few months, it's like, all right, I'm going to just bust my butt and try to, you know, create uh, some demand out here for the product. And it was a leap of faith to say, you know, I'm going to just leave my job and do this. But I'm like, I believe in this product enough. I believe in my hustle, my entrepreneurial skills, and I believe in the team that we have. Everybody's very level-headed and uh, has the same uh, mission, you know, in mind to, to get this out here. And, um yeah, from from there, I don't, I don't, Chris, I don't know from your perspective, but like from there, that's what I feel like early. It was like we kind of set the tone with the, all right, let's catch up. Okay, this is where we're at in business, and this is what needs to be done. And I feel like this last year and a half, two years, has been a balance of both. You know, we talk business throughout the day, but we also check in on each other just on every day. You yeah. know, uh, things in life, and it's it's good to have a friend like that. You know. Uh, from childhood then you can conduct business with as well and you know have that that healthy balance yeah totally yeah i mean um i feel the same way with bruce we have good chemistry like i say and uh we know when to talk business when to keep it personal uh but yeah bruce approached me and and i was hesitant because you know normally you're not supposed to mix friends and business but i felt something different here uh hearing hearing his background and how he wanted to fit in with what we were doing. And, you know, one of the early stages, uh, I'll let Bruce explain. It actually relates to one of your previous uh, podcasts, uh, Utopia Bagels. Uh, literally the first time I met Bruce, I gave him some samples and I had to run out, but uh, Bruce already had an idea of getting our product into Utopia Bagels. And I'll let him kind of explain how he developed that relationship. Because they they've been with us for the past year and a half now, and it's been great. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I saw Utopia. And social media is, is a huge thing. I, I saw Utopia. They posted. They had a, a yeah. Jesse Jesse Spellman's a pretty um, pretty on par entrepreneur in the making. There, I'm just he's hugely impressive. So uh, and that whole business and the in the leveraging of that business from a previous owner, just like you guys did. It's, it's really big. So I encourage anyone to go listen to that episode, but go ahead, Bruce. I'm sorry. No, no, definitely. I, I totally agree. Um, I, uh, yeah, I saw the post on, on Instagram. I said, okay, Utopia Bagel to reach out to these guys. So I'm at that point, I'm reaching out to everyone that I thought in my mind, you know, need to have some plant-based eggs in their life. Uh, every business, um, so I reached out and actually Scott, he, you know, he answered and I was telling him, you know, sales rep for a plant-based company. And he was like, just egg. And I'm like, no, we're the competitor to just egg. We're the, to go back. We're the Pepsi <laughs> in the, in the market. 
And he says, "Well, I love yeah, it. Well, this, we, we we need uh, we need more eggs, and we have to. We're running off to the supermarket to buy it at retail prices." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, you know, I can get you some wholesale prices. Let me come show you the product." So he's like, "I'm like, I think it was on a Thursday," and he says, uh, "I said, do you want to set up? We have a meeting, you know, on Monday after South by." He says, "No, get over here tomorrow." <laughs> he said, "You're lucky we're not. Cl- we're, we're about to close tonight." He said, "Get over here tomorrow." I said, oh, oh, wow, okay. Uh, set up the meeting, you know, reached out to Chris. I'm like, listen, I'm going to need some samples. That was, Yeah, that was the first time we actually uh, saw each other in some time. And this was like kind of COVID was kind of dying down. People were starting to come back outside and stuff. So it was good to, you know, see somebody you haven't seen in, in some time. And uh, he handed me the bot, the, you know, he said, I'm going to go in and get some bagels, for, you know, for me and my wife. Uh, but um, this meeting is all you. <laughs> So you do your thing. I'm gonna just, you know, I'll be over here. And it was pretty simple, you know. Uh, Scott, uh, he uh, he came up. <laughs> here you, here here you go, bro. Here's some eggs. <laughs> I swear, I swear, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sample package was like, this is all you. Have but I knew at that point in time, I'm like, I had to kind of show and prove uh, my my place within the company and what I can do, my role, you know. So I'm I'm thankful that he did that and says, not nah, just do you you got it. It, it 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 gave me some more of that confidence especially when you know at the end of it they're like all right give, we send us three cases next week we'll take three cases of the product and like the other product sticks to the grill just eggs stuff like that so once they started using our product they said it doesn't stick to the grill these guys are local from queens they, you know they're from flushing so it was a lot of just similarities and it's just like that kind of neighborhood you know uh familiarity with each other which was great um yeah that's why i asked if you guys still live there because i think there's like there's a lot of that wanting to do business within the borough or in the neighborhood as a whole like a lot of those connections i just can't even imagine what those opportunities are yeah and i want to i want to i do want to rephrase this and like bruce came up with an amazing strategy he kept we're local here in new york there's so many bagel shops there's so much egg sandwiches being produced he, he had to sell me on the idea like chris we could get once you start getting into bagel shops you know it's, it's basically like there's so many egg sandwiches out there we just need to start with one solid company and it's it's going to expand out and once he locked in that account where utopia bagels it's, it's, again it's been ongoing they're like family to us it led us to numerous opportunities where all of a sudden we're demonstrating our product at the the national i'm sorry the annual Bagel Fest hosted by Sam Silverman. Mm-hmm. And we got even further exposure um, from there. If you look on our Instagram, there's actually a three-part uh, a three-part series that I uploaded where you get nothing but New York reactions to our egg sandwiches. It is awesome. I suggest everybody watches those. But it's mm-hmm. all due to Bruce's strategy of, of saying, how can, I, how can we penetrate this New York market locally first, um, but, you know, kind of bring it all together and New York and next sandwiches, you guys know that's that's like hand in hand. So and, I, I, and all any <laughs> handheld food that you can take with you on the subway or on your way to work or walking down the street or whatever or on a date, people do a lot of that. There's a lot of to going. Is what I keep calling it. Like it's to go, but we're to going now. Like as a population, <laughs> like a lot of humans, we're eating as we move, and our dates are very mobile. Uh, now and they're becoming less sit down actually and people go to food trucks or they go to the walk through windows and or they get a bagel sandwich you know and mm-hmm. they just walk and so there's a lot of that now especially in new york but in all metropolitan areas I've, i'm seeing more and more right. of it so um i'm going i want to stop here because i really want to dive into I want you guys to just complete the relationship with Utopia Bagels, if there's more you guys want to say on that. But then let's talk about where they can find you online, um, where they can find you social media, because as we, I want to leave this, the audience here, because we haven't even talked about what your product can do, what it can be done with it, and all the cool things. So I want everyone to look it up knowing that the next episode's coming and that we're going to dive so much more into sales strategies, financial strategies, accounting, all this type of stuff because you guys are the the guys that that get this on next level between the sales strategy you're employing and then Chris's background in finance and, and being you know obviously financially savvy in the companies he's choosing and the risks he's taken I want to look at that too so I want to 
open up the company a little bit, talk about the products, but also talk about the things that make it work well and have sustained its growth because it's not easy to grow a company like this when you're growing as fast as you guys are. So it takes capital, I'm sure. So, yeah. So I want to get into that into the next episode and start to talk about what that looks like. So let's finish off Utopia Bagels. Where can they find you guys online? And if you guys have personal Instagram accounts that you want everyone to follow you on, you can lay those on here too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to thank you what you you were saying, uh, Chris, before. And just to wrap up with like Utopia and, you know, them carrying our products early as a local business here in Queens. Um, one thing that I think I stressed early on with Chris, because I, you know, it was kind of just going to lay out of the company where we were available and stuff like that. So there's also like a local health food store that we grew up that's near our house where we grew up in Flushing and like we weren't in there or we were like briefly in there and just egg was in there. And one thing I, you know, I said to Chris, I'm like, we need to, we got to control our backyard. You know, New York is the best layout. If you can convince New Yorkers that your product is good, then the rest of the world is eventually going to, you know, get on board as well. So I'm like, let's start with what we can do. Let's control what we can control. And, you know, bagel shops, these are real everyday people, local. They're going to, the word of mouth is going to spread just off of that. You know, there's a lot of marketing in in, in that just, you know, face to face real time. And, um, Utopia were the first ones to like get on board with that. And it it seems like it just keeps getting bigger, better and spreading. And, um, I'm happy where we're at. And I, I, I can say as far as the, uh, where, where we're heading, um, with, uh, plant-based egg alternatives where it's not just one component from when I stepped in to where we're headed now, which is more into food service, things of that nature, but we still understand the importance of having that local presence. And we try to push that, like Chris said, with the bagel, bagel fest and different things of that nature. But Utopia, they, they are, they're pioneers for taking on that egg alternative, I would say on a local level. Yeah, I believe, um, they are one of the few that actually bagel shops that has a, a full on plant-based uh, menu. So if mm-hmm. you get any plant-based eggs from Utopia Bagels, it's coming, it's simply eggless. So simply eggless. Um, on there right now, again, can't thank them enough for their support, uh, local support. We did a pop-up there as well in the summertime. They've been great to us. Yes. We're going to continue to work with them. Um, and yeah, we started from there. And like Bruce said, we're trying to anchor, Angle our way more into food service this coming year. Um, but outside of that, our website is, uh, if you want to find out more information, our website is www.trysimplyeggless.com. Um, and our handle on Instagram is at Eggless. And if you want to reach any of us on our personal, just shoot us a DM on, on that uh, Simply Eggless account, and we'll be sure to answer you guys there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, try to connect the dots. And, um, yeah, I'd love to dive more into the product itself and kind of like our strategy going into next year and the benefits on the next episode. A lot, a lot of big things, yeah. A lot of big things into this new year. Yeah, and just so the audience knows, like, I have, like, 16 questions left out of the 23 that I have listed here. So I don't, we're probably going to end up needing to schedule part three. So there's a lot of questions I have, a lot of different dynamics on some things, and I've actually made four additional questions in addition to those to go back that I need to ask based on you guys. So I didn't want to do it now because I want to keep it moving, but there's a lot of details that I think are significant, especially for the disruption that you guys are doing in the market and how important it is. Uh, So I do want to talk about that. For the audience, I love you guys. Thank you for listening in. I truly appreciate I haven't thanked you guys enough and I've been pumping out episodes and I'm very like driven and motivated and I sometimes forget to like tell you guys that I appreciate everyone. I appreciate the listens. Uh, The entrepreneurs appreciate your support. They appreciate the positive comments. If you guys, whatever platform you're listening on, I don't care. Even the entrepreneurs that are listening back to the episodes, you want to vote for yourself. So you at least should give yourself a five-star review on your episode and give yourself a positive comment on there. Like it's okay to want yourself to win. No one's going to want your dream more than you. And so like I approve and boasting in that way is okay. And so 
those things are important. And anyone who's listening in and trying to support the individuals or, or your family members, like the most important thing you guys can do is not only listen to the podcast, but share it to other individuals or comment on it or give it a good review because it helps them also. And it helps other entrepreneurs and it spreads positivity and it positively pollinates the world for future growth long after all of us are gone. Believe me, the compounding values and stuff that are coming out of this podcast and from these entrepreneurs are legacy building for thousands of years. You know, just if you get on the podcast and, and just like the entrepreneurs that are on the podcast that keep listening to them, you start to piece things together and they start piecing relationships together within the episodes. You know, these guys just did it already with Utopia Bagels and they both just happen to be on the podcast. Um, I don't remember how who I reached out to first, actually, because it was like this. We played this game of weird of follow up. The whole way, which is total New Yorker style, which is follow up. Just make sure you follow up no matter what, no matter when, just follow up. And um, and that's the hustle, right, is showing up. New York, I will tell you that one thing life taught me and then New York reinforced to me is opportunities are about just showing up. You, you have a question, you're not sure whether you should show up, follow up, whatever up. But those two things, follow up and showing up are really important. So... I leave everyone with that um, and showing up is sharing what's going on here. That's supporting these entrepreneurs um, because they are working hard. They are creating jobs. They are paying taxes. Like these are the people creating the jobs, doing the things that create the taxes that pay for all the benefits and things that we live off of or uh, things that the government gives away. It's paid with tax dollars from jobs and companies we create. So I just want to reemphasize that because I saw a question about it the other day. And like these individuals right here are creating a lot of jobs, but that collaboration between Utopia and trysimplyegglist.com, just to reinforce the website, is going to do leaps and bounds and it's going to compound each other's value more than their single value okay more than just one plus one it's really three one plus one equals three as just an example but it's really way more than that it compounds exponentially so thank you guys thank you chris thank you bruce for your time thank you for your time the other day we did an hour pre-interview which is why i have so many questions because we really wanted to dive in and and do well and, and maybe even make this a continuous thing where we dive into, you know, the, the, this sort of, uh, vegan protein world, um, plant based protein, if you will, um, as a whole. And so we've been talking about stuff like that and cool ideas like that. So that's fun. And that's where, what I like about talking with entrepreneurs like this. So again, thank you guys. Sorry for the long commentary. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself on podcasts and we're out. Thank you.